0: Our scripture readings today provide a collage of texts related to the feast God prepares for God's people. The first text is God's invitation recorded in Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2.
1: Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the water.
0: And you who have no money, come. Come. Buy and eat.
1: Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost.
0: Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy?
1: Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare.
0: Next, an excerpt from Jesus' teaching about the last times as found in Luke 13 verses 29 and 30. People will come from the east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last.
1: From Luke 15, 1 and 2, in which Luke introduces the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with
0: In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 to 30, we read the story of the Last Supper. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go, as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Indeed, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who serves, who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel.
1: From Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9, where God's servant John describes a scene of rejoicing in heaven. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like peals of loud thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. Then the angel said to me, Write. Blessed are those are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God.
0: Hear again God's invitation as recorded by the prophet Isaiah.
1: Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters.
0: And you who have no money, come, buy wine. Come, buy and eat.
1: Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost.
0: Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy?
1: Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare.
0: The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
2: I want to offer my thanks to everyone who participates in the service, to Jeanette Scholler and Ryan Bailey for reading scripture, to J.R., Natalie, Dr. Cito, and all those who lead us in worship. You have my and our deepest appreciation for participating in worship. We Baptists are often strange people. I think you know that. We have our own way of doing things. And one of the things that we do is we observe the Lord's Supper only once a month although we can be certain that the early church observed the Lord's Supper every week but for reasons that are too difficult to unravel we do it once a month and then when we do it once a month it's sort of almost like taboo to ever talk about it on the Sunday we observe the Lord's Supper so in my experience at least it's rare On a communion Sunday to hear a sermon about the Lord's Supper. I don't think that's right. This isn't a little appendage that occurs at 11.30. This, in fact, is one of the main reasons why we're here today. To fellowship around this table. And so I want us to think about communion. The table of the Lord. Now, there are a lot of things you don't know about me. That's probably good. But I, I'm going to tell you one of my secret affairs. For a long time, Jeanette doesn't even fully appreciate this, I have kind of a strange attraction to country western music. Now, you know, I think the organ is the most glorious instrument. I love classical music. But for years and years, I have loved country western music. Some of it's kind of hokey. Some of it's very nostalgic. Ira Stamphill wrote some country music years and years ago, over 50. And one of his songs was called Supper Time. Been sung by many artists, but what we're going to hear today is none other than Johnny Cash. Listen for the theme. Of
1: a truth even more thrilling, that someday we'll be called together around the great supper table up there for the greatest supper time of them all with our Lord. I can almost hear the call now coming from the portals of heaven. Come home, son, it's supper time. Come home,
3: come home, it's supper time. The shadows lengthen fast. Come home, come home, it's supper time.
2: brings tears to my eyes. I want to thank Carrie Bashaw for doing all the technical work to get the recording and take this opportunity to welcome Noah Bashaw to his first church service. <laughs> he won't remember what was said today, but then that might be true of others as well. times are very important in our lives. This suppertime theme, eating together, what a wonderful experience. I want to tell you a, a negative story and then say something positive. When I started seminary, I became a youth pastor in a small Baptist church in Boston. We lived an hour away And so when we would come in on Sunday morning, someone in the church was assigned to have us for dinner every Sunday so we could stay in the community and then have youth group and other activities in the evening. So every Sunday, Jeanette and I were assigned to someone's home for a meal. And by and large, these turned out to be wonderful experiences. We made some really good friends out of that context that we cherished for years. But one Sunday, we were invited to someone's house, a woman in the church whom we really did not know, and we were given directions on how to get to her house. We drove to her home. She met us at the door and invited us to sit down in the living room and scurried off, presumably to the kitchen, to finish preparing the meal. And we sat there, we read the Sunday paper, we talked. It seemed a little strange that there we were all by ourselves. And we could see from the living room through the dining room where there was a window out in the backyard. And there was a man out there sitting in a lawn chair. And we concluded that he was the woman's husband. Probably not happy that we were there for dinner. And eventually she came and said, dinner is ready. And we walked into the dining room and there were two places at the table. One for Jeanette and one for me. She had the meal all served and she said something like, I hope you enjoy the meal. And she left. Now our reconstruction was that she felt it was her duty to have us for dinner. Her husband wasn't a church fan and forbade her to eat with us, they would have their meal after we were gone. Now I tell that story only to illustrate that sitting at a table is not necessarily having fellowship at a table. What would have changed the whole context, of course, is when you sit at the table with the people who are the hosts, And they exude not only the comfort of food, but of friendship and conversation. Jeanette and I often have people sit at our table. It's one of the joys of our life. And we have enjoyed sitting at the table of many others, some of whom are here today. Once in a while we have someone sitting at our table we've never met. There are some times when I'm even so sinful as to think that this person we've never met before who's going to show up for dinner is someone I'd really rather not have at our table. Jeanette usually reminds me that that's not a good attitude. And recently we had someone at our table that I wasn't very keen about. But you know, I made up my mind that this was the Lord's table. We welcomed him into our home, and we know that he had a wonderful time. Table fellowship is incredibly important. I think back of eating with our children when they were young. Jeanette and I eating together, even now, the best times are when we just sit down together to eat. So much of life has driven that away from us. We eat separately. We eat on the rush. We don't take the time for that wonderful table fellowship. Now in the Gospel of Luke, there is a lot about Jesus eating. And in fact, I'd like to introduce you to a brand new book. One of my best friends in this world, Jeanette's too... His father, Robert Karras, he's a Roman Catholic priest. He's a New Testament scholar. He is a Franciscan. He's a Franciscan scholar. And he's actually worshipped with us here in this church several times because he comes to visit us at least twice a year. Well, his newest book just came out last week. It's called Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel." And maybe you can't see it, but this is bread on the cover. Eating your way through Luke's Gospel. It's an absolutely wonderful little 100-page book. Bob writes in the context, in part of trying to make Bible study really interesting to Roman Catholic people. He preaches every Sunday. He's a wonderful man. And he's written this book, which I just love. And he is so thrilled that I was going to hold it up today. He's actually up in Berkeley today, attending a meeting. But in in the Gospel of Luke, before we get to the Last Supper, we have a lot of meal stories about Jesus. Now you've already heard from Isaiah how important a meal was. Some of you have heard of the Dead Sea Scroll community. That little Jewish group that lived out in the desert, second and first centuries BC, first century AD, that wrote wrote the so called Dead Sea Scrolls, they had meals together all the time. And they always had an empty space at the table for the Messiah whenever the Messiah would come. Meal fellowship was part of the Jewish context. It was also part of the Greco-Roman world. Now, you know I'm a fake scholar, so I I do refer to books now and then. And I think there are at least 20 books that have been written in the last two decades about meals in the Greco-Roman world. Just astounding. The newest book is just going to come out, and it's going to be a social study of whether you stood, sat, or reclined at a Roman dinner and what that implied about your social status. I mean, the study of meals in antiquity, my friends, is actually a sub-discipline. Why? Because meals were so important. Meals were the places where people related to each other. Now, in Jesus' life, he ate a lot of meals, especially in the Gospel of Luke. That's even why we'll discover Jesus was called a glutton. When Jesus called Levi, this is Luke 5:27 to 32. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Follow me, Jesus said, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now you realize, tax collectors then were worse than they are now. They were a despised class in Israel. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their group... Complained to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 31 in particular. Jesus went on to say, What shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling out to each other. John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man, Jesus, came eating and drinking And you say he's a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. And immediately after this in the Gospel of Luke is the famous story of Simon the Pharisee who invites Jesus to his home for dinner because he thinks Jesus might be the Messiah. This would be really cool if he could have the Messiah for dinner. So he invites Jesus for dinner, and dinners in this context were sort of like coffee hours here. You get out on the street so everyone will see you. You hope to attract a little attention. And so this sinful woman came, and she thought, this is a great feast, and I get to meet Jesus. And so this sinful woman came, and she had a whole box of perfume, a jar, of perfume, that she broke on Jesus' feet. She wept on His feet. She wiped His feet with her hair. And it says she never stopped kissing His feet during the whole meal. Pardon me, folks, that's almost sexual. And she was thrilled to see Jesus. And she was a sinner. And Simon says to himself, well, that settles it. I know He's not the Messiah. He wouldn't let this woman touch him if he were. And of course, you know what Jesus said. He condemned Simon. And he says, this woman loved me more than you did. And her sins are forgiven. And then you heard the Scripture in Luke 13 today. That wonderful promise about the future. People will come from the east and the west in the north and the south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. That was a radical thing for Jesus to say in his context. People would come from everywhere to God's kingdom, not just from Israel. And then that famous introduction to the parables of the lost sheep, coin, and son... The tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus had a bad eating reputation. But you know what he was doing? There's a word I've heard we should use. He was building a bridge. Jesus was reaching out in every meal he ate to say that the kingdom of God was for all peoples. Northeast, southwest, sinner, Pharisee, whoever, rich, poor, everybody was invited to God's table. Then there's that famous story in chapter 16 of the so-called rich man and Lazarus. And you know that when that story starts, there was a rich man who dressed in purple, fine linen, lived in luxury. At his gate was a beggar named Lazarus. And he just longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked Lazarus' sores. But who ends up at the real banquet? Poor Lazarus. He goes to the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man who thought he was eating well is in hell wishing he could have just one drop of water. Jesus said he got his meal understanding all wrong. The famous story of Zacchaeus, another tax collector, who invited Jesus to his house for dinner. And most people saw that and they began to mutter. And they said, He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, this is just a sample. There are other verses in Luke. If we reviewed all of them, we'd be here too long. But this gives us a little sample of eating our way through Luke's Gospel. This shows us the kind of life Jesus lived when it came to food. And that becomes the context in the Gospel of Luke for understanding the table that Jesus shared with His disciples on His last night of life. Jesus built a bridge. He lived as a bridge. The meal of God's kingdom was for all persons. Jesus' invitation shocks the exclusive, but demonstrates the inclusive nature of God. And that's what this table is. It's for all people. Everyone. who comes to worship Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, Jesus hung out with sinners. Why do you think He hangs out with us? Jesus hung out with people that others wanted to exclude. That's why we say this table is inclusive. This is the table of the Lord. And then at the Last Supper, there are a couple of wonderful notes. We could say a lot about the Last Supper, but for now, we'll only say a few things. In Luke 22, I want to point out the fact that three times in the description of the Last Supper, the future banquet is mentioned. Jesus said, I will not eat this supper again. Until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. That's verse 16. Verse 18. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Or in verse 30. So that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones. That's why we read Revelation. The marriage supper of the Lamb which in Judaism was called the messianic banquet it was the culminating meal in which all of God's people throughout all history would sit down at one banquet table and have a feast with Jesus the lamb of God that's the beauty of this meal the last supper is, if you'll pardon the language, an appetizer for eternity. It's the little foretaste that we have every month of that great messianic banquet. It demonstrates that God intends that the body and blood of Jesus, broken and poured out as a new covenant, is the redemptive meal of forgiveness and inclusion in God's family. And even at this great moment, the disciples argued about who would be the greatest. They're just like us. It's easy to become self-centered. You sit down at the table. You want to get close to the meat or the potatoes or You want to make sure the butter is going to get to you. This is true about me. That's why Jeanette's laughing. You start to think about yourself sometimes instead of your guests. The table of the Lord is not a place to argue. It's a place to worship, to thank God for God's inclusiveness. On the back of your little sermon sheet are the last words I'd like to say today. The family, and here, of course, I mean God's family. The family that eats together stays together. The bonds of God's family are not broken even by our misunderstandings and arguments. We need to come to the table with the understanding that this is the new covenant demonstrated by the way Jesus lived in His table fellowship throughout His life. We need to come to the table with the understanding that this is the appetizer of the eternal messianic banquet. The marriage supper of the Lamb When all the redeemed of God's family will join in one grand banquet forever. So may the bread and the cup for you today be instruments of that table fellowship modeled and perfected by our Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to the table to eat together and stay together for now. And eternity. Let us go to the Lord's table. We will serve communion today by asking you to come forward and take bread and cup from servers who will stand at the front. If you are unable to walk forward, someone will bring bread and cup to you at your seat. So don't feel awkward or embarrassed if you can't walk forward. I'm going to be assisted today by two people who represent important parts of the ministry of American Baptists. One is Ryan Bailey, who is a seminary student, happens to be at Fuller Seminary, comes from Indiana, a graduate of Purdue, where the... American Baptist Campus Minister is someone who grew up here in California. I think maybe was even married in this church or uh, I believe years ago. And the other person is Debbie Coates, who is an American Baptist Board of International Mission Missionary in Cambodia. And she and her husband and son, two sons, are here visiting with us. This quarter, and it's such an honor to have you. And of course, we have a lot of other BIMers out here uh, representing the work of the ministry in our denomination. So they will assist me today. Remember the invitation coming out of the life of Jesus, which constantly said, God's kingdom is for all, God's kingdom is for all. The sinner, the rich, the poor, the north, the south, the east, the west. That's what God's kingdom is for. And Jesus said, I give my life. My body is broken. My blood is shed. To provide a new covenant in my body and blood that is an appetizer for the great messianic banquet when the whole family of God will transcend its disputes and gather around the Lamb. Amen. Ryan is going to, or Debbie is going to pray for the bread, and Ryan will then pray for the cup, and then we'll ask you to come forward. Let us
3: pray. Father we thank you for your plan from antiquity to send Jesus Christ to become sin for us. Lord, as you looked down on him and as he died on the cross, broken and sinful that you had to turn away in horror from him. We thank you were willing to do this. We thank you that you were willing to send your son to become our sin so that we might be righteous. And we thank you, Lord, that because he died, that we now are clean and perfect in your sight because Christ has become our righteousness. We bless this bread, which is your body, with the power to remove our guilt. As we confess our sins and partake of it, may you overwhelm us with the incredible truth and deep joy that we are completely forgiven, white as snow, because of Christ. Praise in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen.
1: Let's pray. Our God who graciously invites us to your table as we drink the cup this morning. We pray that through it, you will make your presence real to us, that we may share truly in fellowship with you and with one another and with all believers this day and all days to come until we share once again with you and all your people from north, west, east, and south, and from all the ages at one table bless us this day as we take this as we receive this meal may we share a fellowship that will not betray the sacrifice that you made for us we thank you for your love and we pray in the name of our savior and our brother jesus the christ amen
0: Let us go
2: forth, never betraying the fellowship of this table, upholding Jesus Christ and his invitation until we meet here again. In the name of Christ, amen. Go in peace.